We're starting a brand new series tonight, and it's going to be a very important series. It's one of the big series that we're doing, and we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Um, we're going to be spending three months, pretty much to the end of April in this series, um, talk a little bit about um, what this book is about. Um, but as I do at the beginning of all of our series, I ask my wife to come and pray over the series. Now, she always complains because... You like you never tell me, and I'm like, I do. I just don't tell you early enough, probably. But there's an important reason why I ask my wife to pray um, for us. Is because number one, my wife should be walking up right now. Please, I'm not walk up while I'm explaining. Uh, my wife, my wife prays a lot, and my wife prays for me a lot because I need lots of prayer. Um, but my wife prays for the church a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised. I'm actually confident that she's actually prayed for each of you um, individually in her prayer time. And, and, and you know, um, God really likes my wife, so he listens to her a lot. And so that's why I ask her to pray for our church and over a new series because, um, you know, God needs to help us in this series. So this is my wife. Hello. She's a bit tired. She had the kids all weekend. While I was playing, <laughs> but she's gonna pray tonight for us. Let's pray, uh, Father God. We commit um, the series in John to you, God. We want to know you more. We want to know you um, more clearly and more aligned with who you say you are, not the ideas that we have. So refine our thoughts, refine our hearts and our minds, so that we may really know um, God as as you want us to know you. Um, so yeah, as we just delve into this series, Lord, would you speak to us individually? Um, as we go through our daily devotionals, would you speak to us um, uh, each day, Lord, um, and may you just draw us closer to you. Um, as a church, may we just really take this series to be more devoted to you, uh, more committed to you, um, and just really um, able to um, fall deeper in love with your word, Lord, um, more than just a discipline, may it be a joy um, as we gather each Sunday and each day as we just uh, uh, go into your word. Um, so God, we just really ask and we pray that, um, yeah, as we go through this um, as we go through the book of John, that it would be just a greater joy and a delight to be in your presence. So um, Jesus, be magnified and be glorified through it all. Um, and we just want to know you more and we want to be more satisfied in you. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. I know you, you probably could have just stayed at home in the nice warm Comfort of your couch, but you came out to be a part of the church. Super grateful for that. Thanks for everyone who's joining us on the podcast as well as we start this new series. The Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. The good news according to John. That's all we're going to look at. The Gospel of John is in the New Testament. It is the, the fourth book of the New Testament, and it is written... By John, and you got to ask the question, who's John? How do you get a name in the Bible, right? Well, there's many theories about who John was, but the most highest understanding of who John was, was John was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus had in his crew, okay? 
So he called John, and John followed Jesus for, for three years during his ministry. Not only was John part of the 12 disciples, because 12 is quite a big number, um, he was actually part of Jesus' little inner circle of three, kind of like the leadership team of the discipleship team. And John is known, uh, in, biblically known as to be one of Jesus' favorites. The funny thing is that he says that about himself. So I don't know if that's the real truth or not. So there are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of these Gospels are telling us the same story. And that story is, who is Jesus? It's giving us the life story of, of Jesus Christ on his time on earth. Now, if you've read through the four Gospels, which is great, you'll find that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their stories or their recollections of Jesus' life, there's a lot of overlap, right? There's a lot of overlap between these three stories, like, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, the, the healings of different people, you know, the, the birth of Jesus and whatnot. But John, you don't get that. John is very different to the other three Gospels, a lot of the things that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you won't find that in John. But a lot of things in John, you won't find in the other three Gospels. Most likely, this is because John wrote his Gospels slightly later, and he actually knew a little bit about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and their stories. And so when John wrote his Gospel, he just kind of assumed that, Everyone else knew everyone else, all the other bits and pieces of Jesus' life. And so John specifically writes from his perspective as one of the inner circle disciples. And he wrote his version to add onto the many stories about who Jesus was. Now, all the Gospels were stories about the life and ministry of Jesus. And that's exactly the same for John. But John... He's, he's nice. He actually gives to us the purpose of why he wrote the gospel, why he wrote this book. And we actually find this in the last chapter of John, in chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. And it reads this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. One of the things that we need to understand about the Gospel of John, and you're going to see this over and over again, is that John is not just writing a biography about the facts of Jesus. He's not just going, well, you know, I was there, and he healed this guy, and then he fed these people, and then he cast out these demons. What a great tick, 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 and he did all these things. But John, he's more than that. What John is saying is through the story of Jesus, through my recollection of the story of this man's life, he wanted readers to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He wanted readers to believe that Jesus was the Savior that came to save the world. And, so by, and that by believing in Jesus, that the readers or the listeners would have life in His name. What I find really interesting about John and his story about who Jesus is compared to the other stories is that it is purely not an objective story. 
John is not on the sideline, right? Got nothing to do with Jesus. He's a journalist and he's just writing down what he hears about Jesus. No, he was absolutely loaded with his own agenda. And that was to see Jesus, to believe in Jesus, and to be saved. He is absolutely invested into his recollection of the the life story of Jesus. Um, It's the difference between me telling you, right, just as some guy, I tell you, hey, you should go and eat KFC, right? Because I think it's pretty good, good value for money, blah, 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 blah. The difference is if the CEO of KFC came and said, hey, guys, you should eat KFC. Now, there's a completely different uh, t- different agenda, right? For me, it's just like, I don't benefit if you eat KFC or not. I just think that I liked it. It was great. So you should eat it and share some of that. But for the CEO, he's completely invested because you eat that and he makes money off that. It affects him directly. I think that's, that's who John is. He's one of the inner three disciples, one of the closest people to Jesus himself. And he wants the world not to just know about the Jesus that he knew, but he wanted the world to follow the Jesus that he knew. Jesus is not just about facts and figures, but he's a person. He's a person, and and, and John knew Jesus as a person. John knew him so intimately. And so that's why I'm really excited for us to learn for us to learn about Jesus through the eyes of John. John, if John was here today, if John was here today, right, and he'd go, look, I want to tell you about this guy called Jesus because he changed my life, he changed the world, right? I'm telling you now, John would be the most passionate preacher ever because he, he had an agenda and that agenda was not just to give you the facts of Jesus, but he wanted to convert you. He wanted to inspire you. He wanted to show you who Jesus was and what he did. Why? So that we could follow him and so that we could have eternal life. And you know what? That's our desire. From a church perspective, our desire over the next three months as we go through the gospel of John, if you came at the end of three months and you said, yeah, you know, I learned a little bit more about the person of Jesus, I would be like, okay, that's great, but that's kind of not what we were going for. We want to really challenge you, really, really challenge you in the deepest parts of your soul to really figure out who this Jesus person is to you. Because who Jesus is to you is the most important question that you're ever going to have to answer. Because the consequences of your answer to that is literally the difference between heaven and hell. You know, we're going to study this gospel, not just on Sundays, but in your life groups. You guys are going to be studying John. Uh, in your devotionals, that every day, every day, there's a little snippet. You just read a little bit of John. It's like four to five verses a day. And you just read a little bit and you think about it and you, you meditate on it. All of this, we're just going to be completely encompassed in John because we really want you, each and every one of you, to see who Jesus is to believe who he says is so that you can have eternal life. That was the purpose from John 
And that's the same for us. This is not an information session where we hand out pamphlets at the end and then we go our separate ways. Can I tell you, the church is completely invested into each of you. I, as the pastor, am completely invested into each and every one of your salvation. Now, that's not my decision. I can't make that decision for you who Jesus is, but I am going to put my life on the line the whole church, we're going to do everything that we can so that you can see Jesus, you can believe Jesus, and that you can have eternal life. That's our goal. So it's going to be good. I have a, I have a, I have a good feeling about this one. I say that every time. Today's passage is from John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18, the first passage of John. Now, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's a dense passage. John, I'll just pause for a moment. The other three Gospels, they're really easy to read because it's a lot of stories, a lot of storytelling. He did this and then he did this and the crowd went wild and things like that. And, and you can kind of feel what the crowd felt and things like that. John, he does that, but he actually sits down and talks a little bit more about like, like feelings and theology and why. And, and he asks a lot of the why questions. So it's a little bit denser as a book and that's why we're taking it quite slowly in little chunks. So if you're doing the daily diversions, that's perfect. By the end of you know three months, you will have John under your belt. So let's go through the first passage. There's five parts in it, and we'll just go one by one. John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, what a way to start the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they start the story of Jesus. How? This is who Jesus' mom and dad were, right? This is Mary, not the prostitute Mary, but Mary, mother, okay? And then this is Joseph the carpenter, and then this is the genealogy, this is the family line they come from. But John does not start. Actually, John kind of starts in the same way, but he doesn't start with the human genealogy. He actually starts with the theological genealogy of when Jesus first came. And when was that? In those three words, right? In the beginning. See, John, he uses that parallel. The first three words of the Bible, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. And John starts with the same, in the beginning. Why? Because Jesus did, not come to, Jesus did not come to existence when he was physically born. But what John is teaching us is Jesus existed before creation started. At the beginning of time, wherever that might be, Jesus was actually present in that place. It's not just about the beginnings of his physical human life. But we see that the very beginnings of Jesus' existence is the very beginnings of existence itself. John replaces Jesus with the Word. So, knowing that, let's read this first bit again. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Straight away, right from the beginning, John just sets it out. This Jesus fellow, he's not like any other human. He's not like any other human on earth. 
And we're not going to spend too much time, but this is a really important theological concept that we need to understand about the God that we believe in, and we call this the Holy Trinity, right? I have a slide that is, is quite simple in terms of its, what it is. So this is God, right? And there are three persons of God, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Together they are God, Right? But individually, they are different persons of God. Now, if you don't understand this, that's okay. I don't understand half of this either. I'm just giving you the bit that I understand, right? The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. So together, they're God. Individually, they're God. But individually, they're not each other, right? The best version, right? If you can see it, right? There's three in one. I know, that's deep. That's deep, right? All distinct, but all God. If you're confused, feel free to bring it up in your life groups. That's a great place to talk about the Holy Trinity. Life group leaders, be prepared. You're going to see this Trinity language coming out through the rest of the the story of, of, of John because it's really important. How does God relate to Jesus' son? And who's this Holy Spirit that exists as well? And we're going to talk more about that. John continues to say that all life was made through Jesus, and it was in Jesus that life was found, and that life became light. That life became light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome. What's interesting about that statement is the first commandment that Jesus gave in Genesis, in creation, was what? In the beginning there were heaven and earth, and the Lord said, let there be light. Once again, John uses the, the creation uh, narrative to bring about parallels to where Jesus actually came from. Verse 6 and 8 to 8, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, who's that light, Jesus, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, the disciple John, please don't get confused here. The disciple John who wrote the Gospel of John is now going to introduce a new character that has, funny enough, the same name, John. Okay, now you may know him as John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist is actually Jesus' cousin, right? He came to earth before Jesus was born. And John's role in, 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 in the in, in Bible was he's kind of come as the announcement maker. He comes to earth, and literally what he does is he takes all the Old Testament, because the whole Old Testament talks about how there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a Messiah to come and redeem the earth. There's going to be a Messiah sent by God to come and save all the people. And John the Baptist comes earlier than Jesus. He's older than Jesus, and he starts preaching. And he starts preaching, saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And he's got this big megaphone. He's like, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming, you know, and, and he's out in the desert and people are going crazy over this guy. People are going crazy because he's, he's, he's like some kind of super spiritual kind of guy, right? He's like a little bit crazy 
um, you know, just sort of lives out in the sort of Bear grill style, just sort of lives out in the, you know, in, in the wilderness, and he's baptizing people, and he's preaching God's word, and, and people were so impressed. They were like, are you the Messiah? Because you seem crazy enough to be the Messiah. And John the Baptist says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not even near this guy, but he is coming. He is coming. And that's who the disciple, the author, John, introduces. John the Baptist came and preached about the kingdom of God and how there would be a Messiah to come and save God's people. But he was just the entree. He was not the main meal. And you'll read more, more about John the Baptist as we go in this, um, in this book. Verses 9 to 13. The true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Who's that light? Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a, or a husband's will, but born of God. We, we see the power of the light. The, the power of the light shines for everyone. All right? The power of Jesus shines for everyone. But what this part of the passage is saying is Jesus came. But not everyone understood who Jesus was. And we can divide, even now, we can divide society into two clear roles. People who receive Jesus to be who he, he says he is or people who reject Jesus and don't acknowledge who Jesus says he is. And what we're going to find later is there is a literal difference between heaven and hell, between that answer of whether you accept Jesus or you reject Jesus. Sadly, the world did not recognize him, including his own, referring to God's people in the Old Testament, the Israelites and the Jews. I think what's sad, even today, even today, in, in, in the Jewish religion, uh, all the Old Testament, right? The Jewish religion, they all know the Old Testament. And the Old Testament says there is a Messiah that is going to be sent by God who's going to come and save all God's people. And Jesus comes 2,000 years ago and they go, no, 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 that's not him. That can't be him. And so they rejected Jesus. Actually, Jewish people were the ones who put him on the cross and killed him. But what's interesting is even now, 2,000 years after the life and death of Jesus, they are still waiting. They are still waiting for the Messiah to come. What John, the author, tells us is that you can either reject him or you can accept him. But here's the thing. When you accept him, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. This is the difference. For those that acknowledge who Jesus is, who he says he is as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as the Son of Man, as the Savior of the world, God gives them what we call adoption. He adopts those that accept Jesus into his own family. And he says, you are my children now. You belong to me. I'm your father. That's if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Now, in certain religions in this world, that verse is the most offensive verse ever. How dare we believe that God would come and become like one of us? How, how dare we even conceive that to be an idea that Creator God would come down? Because God doesn't do that. God doesn't need to do that. Why would God need to do that? He's God. He should just knock off everyone and start again. And yet the biblical view of God is this, and, and, and the big word for it is incarnation, right? God incarnate, meaning God became one of his creation. Now, it's a hard concept for us to really fathom, uh, but that's what the Bible says. We need to just understand that. This is the story of Jesus, that God himself would come down to become like one of us, become one of us, walk amongst us, right? Not just come, he dwelt amongst us. He dwelt amongst us. He, he, he hung out. And it's a ridiculous statement, but one that we really need to understand. That the God that we believe in, the God of the Bible, is not this God that is far away, but actually, He is close. He is close. Why would Creator God come down and become flesh? Well, it's because of His love for His creation. His love for you and I. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This was God's purpose from the beginning that he would seek and save the lost and he did it through Jesus. He did it through coming himself through the person of Jesus. And Jesus would die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the universe. Jesus now speaks to us, uh, sorry, God now speaks to us through the Son, through Jesus Bridging the unbridgeable gap between God and man. That's the role of Jesus. And finally, verse 15 to 18. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. And this is how we connect the whole theme of our church this year, which is to see God clearly. If you want to see God, if you want to see God clearer, the only way is to do it through the Son, through Jesus Christ. For us to see clearly, we must go to Jesus John 14, 6 and 7. We read this earlier in the year. 
Jesus says these words, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And, now, and, and from now on, you do know him and have seen him. These are big claims that he's making. Now, how many of us have seen God? Right, well, when's the last time you saw God? You know, just walking down the street or, right? You can't. Actually, biblically speaking, God is so great and his glory is so magnificent that actually if you were to see God face to face, you would die. And that's what, that's what happens in the Old Testament. These people die because they're like, I want to see God's face. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what you're looking at. But what Jesus says is, I'm the son of God. And I know this is going to sound confusing, but I'm also God. And if you want to see God, if you look at me, well, there you go. Jesus says, for those who know him, well, they know God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. These are huge claims that Jesus is making. Huge claims. And throughout the rest of the Gospel of John, we're going to talk more and more about the things that Jesus does and he says. And hopefully, hopefully, just like what John says, hopefully you'll see Jesus, hopefully you'll believe in Jesus, and hopefully you'll be saved. Friends, we need to understand that knowing Jesus, it's not just a church cliche kind of a term. You know, I remember when I was in high school, um, there used to be this little poem, a poem. It's like, no Jesus, so N-O, Jesus, no life, N-O, life. But no Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no life, K-N-O-W. I'll put that on a slide next week for you. It's confusing. You're not, you know, visual, all the visual learners are like, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, Jesus wasn't just a guy with a good message. Jesus wasn't just a guy who knew how to win theological arguments. He, he wasn't just some guy who died for a good cause. What we need to believe, and this is the, the title of the whole series, is that we actually need to know, see, and believe that Jesus was and is and always will be the Son of God. Now, that's a really big claim to make. It's not just a good guy that we learn from. It's not just, you know, some historical, you know, background. That, no, we're, what, what we're actually saying, and what the Bible is actually saying, is that this guy called Jesus, that so many people have talked about, the most controversial figure in all of humanity, what he's saying is, I am God. The question goes back to you then. See, over the next 12 weeks, we're going to talk more about Jesus. We're going to talk about what he did. We're going to talk about what he thinks about you know, all of these things. But that's just, that, that's not what John wants. John doesn't want you to just know about Jesus. John actually wants you to believe in Jesus. And that's the same for our church. We don't want you to just know more about Jesus. You can do that on YouTube. 
You know, you can do that reading books. Okay? Can I tell you, the more facts that you know about Jesus is not going to affect your eternity. But whether you believe Jesus is the Son of God, whether you believe that this guy and all the stories and all of his teachings and everything that's been said that he did, if you believe that, that will ultimately change your eternity. One quote, one quote that I found while I was reading, there is no other possibility of knowing God except through Jesus Christ, the Word. Now, that's not a biblical scripture. That's just a quote by a biblical scholar. And what this scholar says is there's no way of knowing God except through Jesus. And this goes against every other religion. And this is where Christianity and every other religion are going to you know, butt heads because every other religion will say, no, no, you can get to God by doing this and you can get to God by doing that and you can get to God by you know, sacrificing this and blah, blah, blah. And what the Bible says is, no, there is only one way and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer is that as we start this series, just like the author's intentions and purposes were made clear, that you would firstly see Jesus. That you would see Jesus. You know what? A lot of people have very funky ideas about who Jesus is. I'd love to challenge you to put that all up in the air. Throw it all up in the air and let's see where that lands against the Bible. So firstly, I want you to see Jesus. Secondly, I want you to believe in Jesus. I want you to believe what he says is to be true. Because when you see Jesus and when you believe in Jesus, then the consequence of that is that you have eternal life. Life after death. I know that's hard for us to understand. Once again, another concept that is very difficult for us to understand. Death, the afterlife. But the Bible paints the picture clearly that there is consequences to the decisions that we make in this life. And that one big question, do you know Jesus? Do you believe that he is the son of God? That will affect the rest of your eternity. So as we pray for you, as you discuss in your life groups, as you read scripture together with our devotionals, if you're not in a life group and, and you want someone to help you read this stuff, let me know. We'll read it together every day. It's so short. It's like five verses a day or something. But I want you to immerse yourself around this person called Jesus because he literally has changed my life. He's changed the lives of millions of people. He's changed the course of history because we see him and we believe that he is the son of God. Let's pray.